Well, welcome everyone to uh, sort of the election season opener of the Advocate Podcast from the Kansas Association of School Boards. Our producer, Alec, tells me that we are not allowed to play the uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire song September, even though we're recording this on the first day of September, so I'll just let you all imagine that and now have that earworm in your head as we uh, turn our podcast to an election analysis and preview. I'm Leah Flyder. I'm the Assistant Executive Director for Advocacy and Governmental Relations at KASB. And I'm Scott Rothschild. I'm the Communications Editor at KASB. And we're joined today by our newest Advocacy Department employee, John Forer. John, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, hello everyone. My name is John Forer. Um, my official title, I believe, is Government Relations Specialist. Um, if I sound familiar, um, I did make a special appearance once or twice on the podcast uh, as an intern uh, over the legislative session. But a little bit about me, uh, I went to Washburn University. I just graduated uh, with a degree in political science and economics. I'm very excited to be here uh, working alongside Lee and Scott as we head into this election season and the eventual uh, legislative session. All right. Well, the first thing I think we'll do is talk about some of the uh, the statewide ballots that are statewide races that are going to be at the top of your ballot. And so there is going to be a governor's race, as many of our fans probably know. That will be incumbent Democrat Laura Kelly running against Republican nominee and state attorney general Derek Schmidt and independent candidate and state senator Dennis Pyle. Uh, We have an attorney general race between former Secretary of State Chris Kobach and his Democratic challenger Chris Mann. And there are also some federal races on tap this November. Uh, We have one U.S. Senate seat and four U.S. House seats that will be up for grabs. We have several important state House of Representative races uh, for your consideration. As you may or may not know, the full 125-seat House of Representatives is up for election or re-election in 2022. The Senate is not up for re-election for two more years. So this fall, we're just concentrating on the state House of Representative seats. We also have two State Board of Education races. The State Board of Education races aren't always followed real closely by folks outside of maybe the people in this room recording this podcast, but they are actually very important races. The reason the State Board of Education races are important is because the State Board helps set the standards and the expectations that are carried out by the local school districts. So those are some of the big races that we'll be keeping an eye on and wanting you all to keep an eye on as we head toward the November 6th general election. At the state level, as I mentioned, many of these races in the Kansas House of Representatives are going to be critical for the K-12 community to follow because issues around K-12 funding, how school boards, districts, and classrooms operate parents' rights, what kind of books kids have access to, all of those those issues are going to come up not only during the election season here, but again, um, when the legislature begins meeting again on January 9th. So those those races and who wins them are really going to be important for those of us who follow K-12 education issues. But first of all, let's provide sort of an overview of some of the races and the candidates. And I think we're going to throw that to John for some analysis that he has. Yeah, so according to our notes, There are 65 seats that have essentially already been decided um, post-primary. 19 of those are held by Democrats, and 46 are to be held by Republicans. 
Um, of those 65 seats, there are 12, uh, air quote, freshman lawmakers who are going to be experiencing uh, at least their first session. It maybe not isn't maybe it isn't their first session. They may have served as a senator or a prior representative during a different term, but they were not incumbents in this primary race. And so that leaves 60 seats that are up uh, for election and will be voted on here in November on the general election. Of those 60 seats, 27 have Republican incumbents running, 13 have Democrat incumbents running, and 20 of those seats were open where the incumbent either retired or lost in the primary election. So if all the numbers that I did adding up make sense or are correct, uh, there's at least a minimum of 32 uh, freshmen, first-year lawmakers that will be uh, joining us this next legislative session. Uh, compared to 2022, that number appeared to be 27. So it looks like a little bit more uh, new new lawmakers in the building. Now going on, just kind of looking at the current House uh, makeup and kind of where that stands. So there are currently 39 Democrats uh, and 86 Republicans in the House. Uh, going back to the governor election, uh, if the uh, current incumbent, uh, Governor Kelly, were to win re-election, that poses the opportunity for there to be vetoes. And so that's where this House makeup kind of really matters. Um, So as it stands, you need 84 votes to overturn a veto. So with this current election, if Democrats were able to maintain all the seats that they already had and pick up three, they would be able to sustain a veto. Uh, Conversely, if Republicans are able to maintain what they already have or even pick up a few extra seats, they would be able to solidify a supermajority to guarantee that if uh, Governor Kelly were to win the late re-election and veto legislation that they'd be able to to override said veto. Uh, If Derek Schmidt were to win the governor, then that whole conversation kind of doesn't really shape out to matter all that much. Yeah, and I think we've seen uh, in recent years uh, the uh, voting has been pretty partisan on mm-hmm. on, on major issues. So uh, the two-thirds majority that John talked about uh, does come into play a lot more often uh, than in previous years. I want to touch real briefly on some of that information that John shared at the very beginning. How many folks did you say are already just pretty much automatically elected? I think people don't always know uh, how important the uh, primary races are. Yes. So after the primary, over half of our representatives have already been determined. Um, Uh So, you know, a lot of people put a lot of weight on your general election. Um, but this, this just goes to show that primaries are always important, too. Yeah, and so you've got some people who are out there, they are ready to be sworn in and hit the ground running, so this is a great opportunity for our listeners out there to find out who their local electeds are or will be and, uh, and go ahead and start communicating with them now in September, October, November about what the issues are that you think they need to be aware of as they head into the legislative session. Yeah, and I mean, 60 representatives are already guaranteed a seat that is literally almost half mm-hmm. the state. Yeah. So it, it's a pretty amazing number. Yeah, and then you said there's thir- going to be 32 new folks once we have the, yes. um, the general election. So that, again, that's going to be 32 people who don't have a lot of experience, and they're going to need to hear from K-12 educators, superintendents, board members about 
what the important issues are that you need them to advocate for and that's of in course the legislature that's a minimum right. so if you have some incumbents who end up losing in right. the general election then that 32 you know it can yeah. increase mm-hmm. so um so you know it, it's a lot to keep track of but uh we hope that you will do that we are pushing out information on our website about um about the various races uh scott has prepared some questionnaires that he has sent to uh the gubernatorial candidates and the state board of education candidates will be posting those on our website when we receive them and we're also going to be uh, promoting some information about how schools can urge people to get out the vote just a nonpartisan effort to make sure we're highlighting the importance of voting this fall so i think that very quickly and a very high level covers the uh, the state legislative and governor races. Scott, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about those state board of education candidates that we talked about previously? Yeah, thank you, Leah. Sure thing. Uh, basically, uh, we were talking about the uh, primary election, and that really there were five state board of education seats up. We have a 10-member state board of ed, so every election cycle, five of them are up. And in the Republican Party primary, three were decided. Uh, so uh, Jim Porter, who is the chairman of the state board, uh, won his primary. He does not face a Democrat, so Jim Porter gets another uh, uh, four-year term. Gene uh, uh, Clifford out in western Kansas lost her primary, so the winner of that primary, does Kathy Hopkins, does not face a Democratic opponent. And then uh, uh, in another... Uh, District uh, Ben Jones was defeated uh, in his primary uh, by Dennis Hirschberger, and so uh, Hirschberger also has a seat on the state board. So that leaves uh, two races, two state board of ed races for the general election, and basically that uh, both are going to be in eastern Kansas. Um, uh, uh, Jeffrey Howards of uh, Leavenworth uh, is the Democrat. He faces Danny Zeck, also of Leavenworth. So that's in District 1, so they'll have a, a general election race there. And in District 3, Michelle Dombrowski, who is the incumbent uh, from Olatho, faces Sheila Albers of Overland Park. So uh, that'll be a general election uh, race. So basically, on the general election ballot, two state board of education members in eastern Kansas. And, uh, you know, when we talk about the state board, a lot of times we talk about moderates and conservatives instead of Democrats and Republicans. Uh, and so uh, basically uh, the, the margin is pretty close, and uh, this election will determine how close uh, we come between the moderates and conservatives. I think it's fair to say uh, the state board for the past few years has been um, uh, basically leans moderate. And so uh, it may lean more conservative as, as uh, we, we, we carry forward because uh, uh, Gene Clifford and Ben Jones, both who lost their Republican Party primary, were considered more moderate uh, type of candidates. So uh, interesting races in the State Board of Education. And, of course, as education advocates, we are very uh, interested in how those races turn out. What about, you know, Scott, something that um – folks haven't been paying too much attention to, but probably should, and it probably seems a little bit confusing at this point for uh, non-legislative nerds. Let's talk a little bit about the judicial retention elections that are coming up. What is that? 
why should people be paying attention? Okay, everyone listening to this podcast, wake up. That's right. <laughs> We're talking uh, retention elections for the Kansas Supreme Court. Uh, basically, we have a seven-member Kansas Supreme Court, and they face retention elections. Uh, and so uh, through uh, the history of this system, uh, no uh, Supreme Court justice has been non-retained, but there have been campaigns against uh, Supreme Court justices, and a lot of this has to do with abortion politics. And so uh, we we have a very unusual situation. We just had a very big vote on abortion, on the value of them both amendments. So this may be fresh in people's minds. Six of the seven Supreme Court justices. Uh, are up for retention, which is kind of unusual, but it's just kind of come out that way. Uh, And basically only uh, uh, two of them, I believe, that are on retention were actually involved in that abortion vote. But uh, we have a lot of new Supreme Court justices. The ones that are on uh, retention ballot are Dan Biles, uh, the Chief Justice Marla Lukert, uh, Evelyn Wilson, a fairly new Supreme Court justice, Caleb Stiegel, who was a Brownback appointee, uh, uh, Kenyon Wall, a, also a new uh, Supreme Court justice, and Melissa Standridge. The only Supreme Court justice who is not on the retention ballot is Eric Rosen. So these are uh, important, and I know I mentioned abortion, but you know the Kansas Supreme Court is very important in the world of uh, education finance. Uh, obviously, we are living under the Gannon. Uh, school uh, finance settlement. Prior to that, there was the Montoy decision. So who we have on the Kansas Supreme Court is very important, uh, and it, it should be uh, education advocates should, should do their research and see uh, who has been supportive of uh, uh, K-12 through funding and, and, uh, and uh, 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 pay attention to those retention elections. Do we want to talk about some of the issues that we think are going to be discussed Uh, during the election um, so that folks can kind of keep an eye on those? Well, I think in the governor's race, you know, education is front Mm -hmm. and center. Uh, Governor uh, Kelly is is depicting herself as the education governor. Uh, During her tenure, schools have been fully funded. Uh, Attorney General Derek Schmidt was the attorney general uh, uh, advocating a uh, in opposition to the Schools for Fair Funding, which brought about the Gannon Settlement. Uh, Attorney General Schmidt has also uh, uh, put some education uh, ideas out there. I think today he announced that, you know, if he is elected governor, he would sign uh, that bill that would have pr- uh, prohibited transgender uh, uh, participation on girls' teams and that is something that is a bill that uh, Kelly vetoed. So there's going to be a lot of discussion of education issues in the governor's race. And Senator Dennis Pyle, who's the independent candidate, I think he he uh, made a comment recently that it's sort of it's never enough uh, as far as school the school funding uh, discussion goes. That it's, you know it's never enough for schools. So 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 a variety of approaches to uh, to public education in the governor's race. Yeah, and as I think you, you uh, uh, mentioned earlier, uh, uh, school issues are, are popping up like every every week. Mm-hmm. I mean, we had months of talking about critical race theory. Uh, lots of places around the state were talking about uh, preventing access to certain kinds of books. Uh, we're talking about, you know, public comment during school board meetings. So 
these issues continue to pop up, and I think we should, uh, when we get a chance, we should ask our House candidates and our uh, governor candidates and attorney general candidates to talk about education issues. And if you have a chance to meet with them, you know, as a as a school board member, as a superintendent, as a teacher, you know, they, they really need and want to hear from you, the folks on the ground. You know, your KSB advocacy staff, we, we, we meet with folks, we, we try to push that message about the truth, about what's happening in, in Kansas public schools, which is that kids are getting a great education every day. But they really also want to hear it from those local constituents, the folks like you who vote for them you know, not just the paid lobbyists that are on this podcast right now. So so it's something that's going to be very important for folks to engage in. And again, we'll ask you to, you know, check our website and uh, pay attention to our social media for resources that you can use to help you decide um, who the best candidate is for your district. Yeah, we'll, we'll be publishing information. Uh, we've put out questionnaires to our state board, as you mentioned, our state board candidates and the gubernatorial candidates. And we're starting to get some back already, so we will be posting those. And uh, you can certainly use us as a resource to find out more about candidates on education issues. And uh, since this is an election podcast, I guess we should talk about the big deadlines coming up. And That's right. Like that. That's right. So if you haven't registered to vote, there's time. Uh, October 18th is the deadline to register, so you've got plenty of time. You can do that online at, uh, is it Vote KS? Uh, you can... KSVote.org KS, or something like that. Yeah, you yeah. can register online. You know what? You can just Google how to register <laughs> right, to vote right. in Kansas and it'll come up. Um, and then on October 19th is uh, the first day that you can vote in advance, either by mail or in person. Like in, uh, in a lot of counties, uh, that advance in-person voting takes place at your local county courthouse. They're open, you know, usually during business hours, you can go right in, and, and many of the counties are also open like a few hours on a Saturday leading up to the election. So um, it makes it very easy to vote, and we've, ta- we've often talked about, you know, a lot of us, I used, to, I used to always wait until election day to vote. I love to go at election day, and I really do, but life is so busy, and, you know, this is the fall, kids are in school, or, you know, uh, you have a lot going on, or, you know, you get sick, or you're your parents get sick or you have a family emergency and then you don't vote on election day. So if you have at all kind of a, a crazy schedule, take advantage of the opportunity to vote early, either by mail or to, or to just stop by your local in-person voting and get in, get out, and that way you know you've done your civic duty before the actual day. November 1st is the deadline for voters to apply for one of those advanced ballots by mail. You want to fill that out and turn it back around and send it in. And then November 8th, is the general election. So uh, we're recording this on September 1st. So just really a very few short weeks before a very important election. And and we're hoping, uh, you know, the August 2nd primary, we had a record uh, primary turnout and we hope that happens in in, uh, the general election. We hope uh, everyone gets out and votes. Yeah, you know, and bring your kids. You don't have to get daycare for your kids if you're going to vote, bring them with you. You know, it's a great way to to continue to show kids about how important it is to be civically engaged. We talk about that a lot. If you've got a teenager, you know, see if they want to work at the polls and, you know, talk to your teachers and principals about maybe giving the kids a day to go work at the polls in, on November 8th or, or during advanced voting. And, um, and just make sure that we're all doing our civic duty and, and making Kansas the best democracy it can be.
So our next podcast will drop on September 16th. So many thanks to our fabulous producer, Alec Madrigal, for keeping us uh, in line. And we're going to talk next time. We may touch on the election a little bit, but we're going to talk quite a bit about some research that John has done about vouchers. And um, John, you want to tell us just to give us a little tease about what we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks? Yeah, so I, I don't know if you mentioned this at the start, but education savings accounts are certainly going to be something that we see again in this upcoming legislative session. And so I was just doing a little bit of research on those. And so what this kind of report looks at is it looks at it's examining public and private high schools at a city level. And I'll kind of explain kind of the methodology and why we did that um, next week. But kind of just a teaser report, a couple of things that the report really kind of highlights um, is kind of as the bill's proposed, uh, not all recipients of these education savings accounts will likely have op- equal opportunities to use them. And then it also kind of gives a comparison uh, for free and reduced lunch students um, on their state assessment scores on math and English language arts. And it kind of just looks at a comparison between uh, public high schools and private high schools. Yeah, and I think I think people will be surprised about that. And so, what's what's the working title of your report? I believe the working title we have is uh, "Myths About uh, School Choice." All right, so be sure to listen to that uh, at our, during our next Advocate podcast. It's going to be a fascinating discussion. So, thanks everybody for joining us today. Thanks again to our producer Alec Madrigal, and we will talk at you again in two weeks. Running a school district is more work than most people realize. From leading a diverse staff to protecting the health and safety of employees and students, the work of an educational leader is never done. It can be overwhelming to find solutions to the challenges facing a district, but you don't have to lead your schools alone. Kansas Board Solutions, a wholly owned subsidiary of the Kansas Association of School Boards, is here to help you find the solutions you need to support your students and staff effectively and efficiently. With a full suite of technology and insurance solutions, KBS offers an array of services to benefit your school district. We know districts continue to face a wide range of challenges as student needs change, staffing requirements evolve, districts facilities age, and much more. As a wholly owned subsidiary of KASB, KBS fulfills its mission by keeping money in local schools instead of spending it on huge year-end bonuses or high-flying corporate retreats. All of this helps us achieve our goal of helping you build and run the best schools in the nation. With KBS, you are truly getting a partner in education that serves you with a purpose. Wondering what KBS offers and how you might use it? The answer is simple. If you're in need of a software, insurance, or resources solution, KBS should be your first call. Learn more at www.ksb.org backslash solutions.